today. Work? Yeah, I'm always working. <laughs> like before this, were you like at, at the shop or something? I stopped into the shop really briefly. And before that, right before that, I was work. I was meeting with my, he's sort of my intern for at Our Vinyl, unofficial internship that he's doing with me. And then I have, he's also my mentee now. I'm his, I am his mentor. Awesome. Um, so both of those things are sort of concurrent. And I meet up with him as much as I can to just sort of, you know, provide guidance and He's, you know, seeks advice from me. Um, he's still in school. Is he like a college student mm -hmm. at Belmont? He's at Belmont. This is his senior year. Oh, okay. So it's been interesting talking to him about how things are like during COVID. Right. And some of the, you know, just how it's, it's different. It's different from my experience. Yeah. Right. Mostly because which I realize more and more when I, as I talk to him is meeting people, like just the natural like flow of being around people all the time and like getting to meet with them and like, you know, going things like going to house shows or like doing a studio session together or playing a show together. Like some of those things are like really limited now mm -hmm. because people aren't really like gathering in the ways that they were before, like especially, you know, five years ago. <laughs> you know, it was like, I, so many so many people I met were just through, you know, random interactions or like get togethers or shows or playing, you know, doing a production with them, even when I was in college. So it's just interesting just hearing from him and trying to help him navigate it now. Right. <laughs> with, and not like applying to, you know, I, I have to like. Think from his point of view. Right. Because. What he's going through didn't exist when we were in college. Right. Yeah, exactly. So That is interesting. Mm -hmm. How old is he, like 21? Uh, I think he's 22. Uh, he's 22. Something like That's, that. What is he trying to do? I know that he, he was telling me that he wants to work, you know, in the studio with, you know, essentially like indie artists, indie bands, indie studio, <laughs> and... You know, I think I provided him some opportunities as well that I think he's also interesting in, interested in, which some of them have been like working at our vinyl um, on the audio side of things and working with me with Bird Finds, um, doing like, like basically meeting people because it's like, hey, I need you to, I was out of town and I needed him to deliver an amp to someone. It was like a, kind of like a high profile client, but I trusted him enough to know that he could handle it. And actually my assistant was unavailable. <laughs> so I had to like think of who else. And I was like, oh, well, this, this person can take care of it. And he did, he did a great job and got to meet this person. And you know, that, and within that he can form his own personal relationships and like, he's a good person. So providing opportunities basically for him to meet other people and like interact. Cause it's all I was what I was explaining to him also was that that's how you you know continue to have work is you 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 can show that you're a good hang and that um, you care and that you're good you can problem solve sorts of things like that right make put, put people at ease 
is, is a big reason why people get called back for things. Right. Like, oh, we like having that person around. Right. Like, <laughs> it's funny how much that happens. Like at a higher level, where you're just like, someone might be there doing nothing, like at all, and they're just like, oh yeah, we just like having me here or having her here, you know, just to hang out. Yeah, like they they always like make it feel better here, so we just budget. <laughs> like that, you know, that stuff happens, and it's it's encouraging because that means one day you could. You could fill that role. Yeah. I just make people feel good. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or you know someone who makes you feel good or add to it. Yeah. Right? right. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sure we both think of someone like that. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Let's get them here. Like, yeah. It's be better if they're here. If I need conversation, <laughs> they're there. Yep. So, yeah, just get us, just provide them with opportunities. How did you find him? Uh, he reached out to me through the. We did an internship fair at our vinyl. Okay. And I was someone who volunteered to kind of, you know, talk about. Well, I learned that I could take on an intern if I wanted to. <laughs> and that there were a couple other areas like production assistant, graphic design intern, and then there's one other category oh, AR intern. No, 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 that wasn't one of them. We already had an AR intern. But yeah, just through that internship fair, and it's funny because he he was I got a lot of applications specifically for audio assistants, and I was just so busy at the time with other things that I I didn't even look I didn't look at a single one because I knew that when I, as I, if I started the process, then I would feel like I needed to look at everyone. And so I was like, I don't even know if I actually have the capacity to take on an intern, right? That's kind of where I got to. And then uh, he just reached out like a bunch, like was you know wasn't annoying, wasn't like, but it was just like, hey, just wanted to make sure you got my message. Hey, really interested in this. Hey, really want to you know work with you. Persistent. Yes. And now I really understand like. Like my dad works, he, my dad hires people. He's really good at it. He recruits people and, and fills specific roles. And yeah, he's always told me, follow up. <laughs> and that's what this person did is they followed up a bunch and it got my attention. Like just literally, cause I, again, I was, I just said, I don't have the capacity. I didn't have the capacity to take on anyone, but I was like, this person obviously wants to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're really, motivated and then it was like the last message was like hey just reaching out one more time and like that's when i was like oh I should. breaking point yeah. <laughs> i was like you know they're like before i take on this other thing just seeing if this was a possibility and i was like i have five minutes let me write back and then yeah we spoke on the phone i'm a pretty passionate person and like it seemed like he was meeting meeting that and I was like, all right, well, like, we talked at length, too. I explained to him, like, who I am, like, what I do, because I felt like that was important for him to understand how I operate and, like, what the role would be for him, ultimately, and, like, how much time I'd be able to dedicate weekly, because that's how he, he had to look at it from his internship perspective. was like, hey, I need, like, 25 hours a week or something. I'm like, I can't give you that. <laughs> like, I'm not even there that much. I have other things. I have, like, a business, and, I, you know, I tour, and I write and record. Like, I do other productions. 
you know, my time, unless I'm doing a session here or on location with this company, I'm not usually in the office. And if I am, I'm doing office work. <laughs> this isn't very helpful for your internship. Right. But I, I, so yeah, that's how that's how we met. And then nice. I brought him in for a session. He did great. Showed, he got to know the flow. And we had a few, I tried to create days where he came in and like, we, we set this up or troubleshooted that and like just did things around that I was like, well, you know, I was kind of like, what don't I want to do <laughs> that he, that seems like he would be motivated and willing to do. And it's not anything like necessarily undesirable. It's just like stuff that gets pushed off to the wayside because other things are more important. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. Uh, also because with my, with my business bird finds, I have an assistant. So that process was interesting, like trying to figure out what I was willing to pass off. Right. And then I, I'm still learning how to actively stay on top of those things and make sure that my employee is has the resources she needs to do her, the job that I've created for her. <laughs> because it's, you know, I want to be a good boss. Like, I don't want to just say, throw my hands up and say, hey, whatever. Or like, oh, I'm too stressed out. Don't ask me anything. Like, that's not helpful. No. It's like, well, you hired me. Like, what do you need me to do? Like, give me a job. And so, again, it's like shifting perspectives and trying to think about what's most helpful and like what's going to like at least keep things consistent or even manageable. That's why I even hired someone in the first place is because things were getting unmanageable. I was getting so many requests and like I was just kind of all over the place trying to do like five different things in every moment and nothing was really getting done to the fullest extent. But now she's taken over um, a lot of the consignment and there's just we have just having a process that works and it works for the people who use the service and so now that's one big check mark because it's a really popular consignment service right and people from all levels reach out and I take care of some of the higher level and you know so then like the whole thing continues to flow because some of those things require a certain kind of conversation, interaction, or personal relationship with that person so that I can explain to them how it works and like they're gonna be taken care of and then here's the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I wanna get more into that, but I wanna go ahead and do the little intro here. Hey everyone, welcome to the Nashville Artist Podcast. I'm Jordan and today Nick Bird is here. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So where are you from again? I am a rich, I was born in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and now I've lived in Nashville for um, a decade. Okay, cool. So what, what were you, are you a only child? Do you have any siblings? I'm an only child. Awesome. Yep. So what were you like as a little kid? What were you into as a little kid? I was really into cars. When I was younger, I was really into roller coasters. I was really into being outside and like playing with my friends, video games. I hung out with my grandma a lot. My grandma Evelyn would go fishing. Um, she let me drive her truck around her yard when I was like 10 years old. Things like that, like fun kid, only child sorts of things sometimes. And, you know, playing basketball, I love basketball still. I try to play as much as I can. And 
yeah, just I asked. It's funny because I asked my, I was talking to my parents um, last year, last Thanksgiving. We were like sitting around playing games, and I was just asking. I was like, "What was that like?" Kind of just like you asked me. And they're like, "You were just busy. Like you're always just like doing something." Like, which is so funny because that's exactly how I am now. <laughs> it's come full circle, apparently. But they're just like, every time we turn around, you're like about to like, you're like turning the oven on or like touch, like pressing this, touching that, running upstairs. It's like, why don't you like go sit down somewhere? Like just for five minutes. So that's really actually really funny. I'm just, I just like verbally process that for myself. Like saying that out loud is funny because that's a lot how I am now. I'm like very. You like to have a lot of things going on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm similar to you. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're like, ask anyone. You yeah. never get bored. No, that's, yeah. never get bored either. I don't really ever get lonely either. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you're just kind of bouncing from thing to thing. Wow, that's really helpful to, to know that other people feel that way and also to just say it out loud because Sometimes it's hard. Like sometimes I'm like, why doesn't my brain shut like, off? Right. Like why can't I like chill? <laughs> like I am chill, but why can't I chill? Like why can't I just do nothing? I feel you. I have a hard time with that too. I feel so much when you relax and you're like, you need to relax. Then you're focusing on other things, so you can't even relax in the moment. Yeah, that's taken a lot of mindfulness to slow down in that area you know yeah taking your surroundings look around I, I even yesterday was like man i haven't i don't think i've breathed in the last two days like like actually taking like a full deep breath it's all been even right now i'm like kind of holding my breath you know what i mean like i'm like taking in air mm -hmm. but then like you haven't had like a big exhale in a while. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good, so that's good. But you know, with a lot of things, there comes what can be an unhealthy level of stress. And I'm kind of like backing down from that. And my method is right now is to just take things one at a time. Right. And not try to do everything all at once. <laughs> and I've just been texting myself. I'm. I'm like notoriously bad with to-do lists because then I get overwhelmed. But I've just been texting myself like right before I go to bed with what I need to do or like right when I wake up in the morning like texting myself like, do these like three things today. This is what you have to worry about. And it's been working pretty well because then I just lock them out. Right. Three things is a good number I find for a day just to have three main things you focus on. Mm-hmm. Or, or less. Yeah, or less. Yeah, any more than that. It's a little ambitious and also like set your, you want to always make sure the next day is set up. Yeah, wow, that's I'm glad always, you just said that. That's always the number one, you know, because like once you get to the next day, you don't want to be like, now what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's like, it's, it's like I've been thinking about this lately, your past self looking out for your future self. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say that often. Yeah, that's interesting. You said it that way uh, just a minute ago, though. Um, setting yourself up for the next or setting the next day up because I just realized that I don't. 
I've so I've been I've been on tour for the last like month this yeah. time, and wow, I'm realizing a lot of things. This is not. I'm very thankful for this. Grateful for this right now, um, because my mantra on tour was I don't have to think about anything past the day from now. Like all I need to worry about is being a good hang, playing well, having fun, and taking care of myself. But as a result. <laughs> getting back into things which has been good because I'm taking things one thing at a time one day at a time but I haven't really been able to see past like a few days like I have have like a shoot on Monday <laughs> how do you think about that on Monday and Tuesday it's in Asheville and so we're traveling but I'm basically just going to think about that on, on Sunday right. <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> But now that I think about it, there are some things that I, I might need to assist. Anyway, I'm sorry. See, I'm sorry. I'll start thinking about so many different things. But that's okay. It's, just it's interesting. Okay. Interesting. Not thinking. I haven't been thinking past a day ahead. Right. Hey, I mean, better it works that way. <laughs> yeah. One nice thing of being an entrepreneur is you don't necessarily have to know what day it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every day could be the same. Every day could be different. But. It feels that way sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, I don't have to clock in anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, unless I set it up. Right, exactly. <laughs> How did you get into music? Was that a development? You're like, were you a child when you got into music? Yes. So I remember being really young, probably like five-ish, I guess, six. And my mom, or I guess my parents had given me this keyboard. And I remember playing, I remember like doing the autoplay, this little Casio, and it playing Green Sleeves. Oh, yeah. And I like really came to love that tune. I really, I still love it. I can hear it in my head now. Right? I think that's it. And messing around with that. And then I also had some bongos that they had gotten on a vacation in Hawaii um, that I always had beside my bed that I would play. But I really, like, started thinking about music playing in middle school. Because I I started playing saxophone in the school band, alto sax. And then there were also some... And I only played alto sax because I couldn't play drum set. There was a snare drum... That you could do, but I was like, no, I want to put the drums. Like, I want to, I don't want just a snare. Like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> but then I also saw there's some, there's at the time two bass players in our ensemble. And I was like, that looks cool. Like, and so I started playing bass at the same time. Like, my dad was like, you just started playing out, like, sax. You want to play another instrument now? It's like, yeah, I do. And so, yeah, they like, you know, encouraged me pursue that because my mom my mom made a marching band in high school and she sings at their church and had been in a like a group a singing group in her hometown like she like used to play like gigs and shows and stuff and they both like great music and like so I was exposed to a lot of really good music like it was always because uh, my dad's a cook so he'd be always be in the kitchen cooking and on the other side of the kitchen, at one point in my childhood, they had blown out this wall in between the kitchen and the dining room. And 
in that back corner and at the other house we lived at, I guess, in the apartment we lived at, they had a good, like, stereo system with good speakers and just a bunch of CDs, like, so many CDs, like, Tony Braxton and, like, Aretha Franklin and, like, trying to think, like, like, tons of gospel, tons of gospel music that was just so... And hearing it through the speakers, like the bass and like just like the groove and it would make you feel so good and like good food is cooking. So like the music would be playing on one side of the kitchen dining room, my dad would be on the other side, like just in front of the stove, oven going, like making brothers making cakes, whether it's making you know, a whole, you know, mac and cheese and green beans and collards and stuff like that. Mm. You know, so those are, those are actually two things that I really value is good music and good food. They go hand in hand. I mean, you can enjoy your music while you're eating, enjoy your eating while you're listening. Mm -hmm. So it's like, actually with both those things, I, like, I know for, I, I just, I'll speak for myself, but I do know good food. And I also know good music. Like, the elements that make music good. And like, basic things. Just like with, with cooking, you, you want to have any sort of baseline flavor, you gotta put salt and pepper in your food when you're cooking it, not afterwards. <laughs> when you're cooking it, it's gotta be in there in the cooking process. And it's like the same way with music. And I actually have a lot of conversations with my dad because he doesn't understand music at all. I, I understand cooking to the extent that I do, but not to the extent that he does. And the parallels between how we describe our crafts are, they kind of blow my mind. How, how it blows my mind how easy it is for us to connect that way. Like, I'll be talking about music. He's like, oh, that sounds like me in the kitchen with cooking. And be like, instantly, he'll just completely understand what I'm saying. Like, I don't have to try. I just, like, explain it my own way. He's like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. So, yeah, mu music's been there for a long time. Growing up with my grandma, she would keep me a lot. We went to her... Um, her Baptist church, very small church. And I would always be, so I was just kind of like, whatever, you know, after, after a while, it's just kind of the pastor's just saying the same thing over and over. And I'm a kid, so I'm like, not, I'm not able to actually sit here and listen to someone talk for an hour. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, you know, I'm opening the hymnal. And I'm like learning these songs like that are in these hymnals and trying to like learn how to read the music and like seeing how the words go along, like the dashes in between and like, oh, this means I was using some of my some of my knowledge from I just started like playing music. I was like, oh, this is a, this is a treble clef. This is the bass clef. Oh, this is the piano part. This is the right hand of the piano. These are whole notes. This this is the this is the refrain. This is the um, repeat. This is just the intro, and so a lot of that stuff is very very deep in my brain now because it's such a long time ago. But those are definitely you know foundations 
and then I started playing. Like I started, you know, playing in the band, like I said, and then I got a lot of opportunities through the church that I was going to to play in like the youth group band and I had mentors there who showed me like how to like how to ask for what I needed in my monitor, um, stage volume, following a chart, improvisation. Yeah. You know, I like, kind of going with the flow, like following someone like a music director who's like, oh, let's go back to the chorus. Let's like repeat the chorus here. Like this feels good right now. And then I also got the opportunity there to, because I was playing bass. And then I got the opportunity to play drums there too. And I like seriously developed my skill there. And then I started playing in bands with my friends on both instruments, bass and drums. And at the time I was also learning guitar. It's around like ninth grade now. I was learning guitar. I got one for my 16th birthday. I still have it. It's Telecaster. And I was like, I remember I was literally plugging my electric into this Behringer mixer, like just quarter inch into a channel. And then it had a had digital effects on it, so I would like just use it as an effects pro like a preamp and an effects processor just through these speakers, and that's how I like learn how to play guitar. I would play along to music and like learn chords and like I'd be like, this sounds like like making up my own chords, but like this kind of sounds like I'm close to what it should sound like, but it's not quite. But I like this voicing, but like what's the actual note I'm trying to play? you know, the actual chord so I can like have some sort of reference so then I can be creative on this instrument. Cause I've always wanted to focus in on that with music is like, I like to, and especially with being an engineer too, like I like to know the rules so I can break them. I like to know like kind of what it's supposed to, what it's supposed to be. So then I can be like, I can take that and just run with it and just switch it up and and know like what's going to make it not work <laughs> right you know so i can i can come up with other ways that it can work but like not abandoning completely all of the fundamental things that will hold it together you know awesome <laughs> so when you were in high school and you're playing bands what kind of music were you like the bands you and what were we all playing uh, let's see the first band <laughs> the first band I put together was actually in middle school. It was just music I was writing. It was just like rock. Like I was like really influenced by like Soundgarden at that time. And like but also like Three Days Grace and like you know, bands like Switchfoot even and so it was interesting. I was just like and like or like Death Cab. Oh yeah, um, and stuff like that. So it was just like, just D chords basically, <laughs> and just, just putting it together. But then I also, now that I think about it, so that that was me. That wasn't really a thing. That was really just me, me learning how to write music um, by myself, and then presenting to other people and be like, hey. Will you do you want to sing this that I wrote or like play this part? But I put together like a neo soul band. It was me, my friend Leah, who I'm still good friends with. She's like a cousin to me. She's like family to me. I still want to work on music with her. Like even like 15 years 
later. I still have notebooks like at my parents' house of songs that we wrote together that are good. Like I know that they were good then, they're good now. I've like looked at them since. That like we just need to get together and like work on them and record them. Like they're good yeah. songs, which is really wild. But we were just like she would just write in a notebook. Like she'd come over to my house after school, she just write in a notebook. Like poems basically which is kind of similar to how i write music um too and then i would be the instrumental part like have the acoustic guitar and like you know sometimes she would like kind of like do a rap thing some and but she has a really good singing voice like an exceptional singing voice so that was really fun just like going back and forth she's like oh all right i wrote like three pages let's just Let's just try. I would start singing, and then I'll just I would just like try to find chords, and then we put something together. And then then a couple bands after that, <clears throat> one was like a pop punk. When I was playing drums in that band, that was really fun. It was a huge learning experience. And I just started driving, <laughs> but I didn't have my. This was so funny. I didn't have my permit, or I didn't have my license, only my permit. But I had a car. Like my parents were willing to buy me a car so like I would have a way to get around because I was playing music they were like you need to be able to like get yourself around so we're willing to you know buy you like a you know a decent used car but my dad would take me to practice or I would drive my car to practice but then he had to drive it back home because I couldn't drive by myself right <laughs> so it was just really it was a really funny time going to that band practice and then we played shows and like um, it was really fun. I I got better. I just had to, and I was still playing in my youth group. So I was like, it was like two different environments where I could like really test my skills, and like they're kind of complementary. Where like a lot of it was just upbeat, and so I had to. I remember this first time I was playing with the youth choir at my church, and the band we were we were getting together earlier in that day to get the music ready for that evening when the choir would come in. And I had been practicing this one song, this really up-tempo gospel song. And I was like, I felt good, but I was also like, I might crash and burn, like, immediately. <laughs> and they were all ready. Like, they're all great musicians. And expecting me, which is good in a sense, in other ways it's terrifying, expecting me to, like, be there right with them or be or have the willingness to learn... And we start this song, and I remember I was like playing to a track that um, they had made, you know, just to keep us keep us together. It was like better than a click, right. just like a like a track, like a shaker track, kind of different kind of thing that only we heard, I believe. And dude, it was like my right foot just fell apart. Like I was like, I can't. Gotcha, oh, you gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. I was like, and then like all these transition transitions. I think it was in in six eight. Like I was just. But, like, they kept playing. I was like, I guess I got to keep playing. Like, I'm just going to have to learn. And it's just so much, so much practice. Like, that's one thing. Again, if you talk to my parents, talk to anybody who really knows me, especially people who I knew in high school, they'd be like, yeah, every day Nick was playing music, like, practicing or playing with people or, like, playing a gig. Like, I, like, really have put in the time and effort there because I love it. I love playing. I love how it makes me feel. And so really any opportunity that still that I get, and even then I got to 
play, perform, like play a different style of music. I was always jumping at it because it's just so much fun for me. It still is so much fun. I like truly find like so much joy in it. And it's even better when like you're playing for people. Like right. that's that's great, but if you can like create great music with people, other people who are also playing music, that's just that's just so fulfilling. And just like doing like doing your role and doing it well. Which I feel like translates to a lot of life too. As you can tell, I'm like pretty passionate about all this stuff. But so yeah, then like the I was in a pop punk band and the band after that was like a little more indie rock. And with that band we got to actually like travel. We had a van. We would play shows with other bands in other other cities. You know, we're like creating a fan base for sure and it was really fun. And then I went to college and we kind of just kind of went different ways. But uh but yeah. <laughs> wow. So that was in high school when you're in the church band and Mm-hmm. And then your rock band that was like outside of school, like at your house or something. Yeah, the first one we would practice at my friend. We practiced at other places, but I mean, I was in several bands actually. I'm, I was in other acts too. Like there was another band that was more like a like shoegazy, experimental, like almost like Explosions in the Sky oh, with yeah. vocals and. I filled in for a while in that band because their bass player left. I forgot about that. <laughs> but we played we played shows and like, yeah, like I practiced with them like at least once a week. Nice. And yeah. Yeah, I was just always like always had gear in my car. Like I guess this is the same thing that I do now to yeah. an extent. Cause it's funny too, because I was I was like doing gear. Like, I was helping my, I remember I helped my neighbor sell, like, 10 guitars when I was in high school. Like, I sold them all on Craigslist. Um, And he gave, he let me keep some of the, some of the stuff that he was also trying to get rid of. And it was, like, barter for doing it. And he was like, whichever one of these you want to keep, like, whatever. I'm just trying to get rid of this stuff. So it's just funny. I just thought about that. I'm just doing the exact same thing I've been doing for like 15 years. That's good. It <laughs> means you really found what you like. I guess so. It's really funny to say out loud. <laughs> wow, covered a lot of covered a lot of ground just. <laughs> so, what would you say is your main instrument? Um. I guess the bass, like professionally the bass, but I put in the time and effort to be proficient on all instruments that I play. So I am pretty solid on the drums. I've been playing for like just a little bit less time than I have been the bass, which is like half my life. (laughs) And then I'm no like fantastic guitar player, but I can hang. And I'm really, I can, I can write really well on any instrument and then write around it and then fine tune and stuff like that. Cause I understand each instrument. Right. I'm not like green on any of them really. I can, I can really like, same thing with the keys. Like I've been playing keys for a very long time. So it's just like putting forth the effort in the moment. And that's what I love. I love being challenged. I love being challenged on an instrument because that's every uh, every time I look back and think about 
when I had when I got better, like when I saw a significant difference, is when I was challenged and like I had to, like just like when I was telling you about having to play that really fast gospel song, like I went home and practiced that all week, and then when it was time to like do the big performance, like I nailed it. Like, or I didn't, maybe I didn't nail it, but I did way better than I did the first time, you know? Right. And then each time after that, because it wasn't the only time we were going to play that song or songs like that, I just tried my best and, like, was, like, foot, you have to move. Like, <laughs> this is happening. I'm going to do it over and over until you understand <laughs> right. that this is happening. Because <laughs> it was really fast, like, like, boom, ta, 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 ta. Like, Right. And it's not, I'm not... You know, it's the drum, so it's not just I'm not just playing with my foot. I'm playing with all three other limbs, right. <laughs> and then they're all doing like you know all the hits mm-hmm. and in different time signatures yeah. that I'm having to learn. Like, oh, it's not just four four. Oh right. no, <laughs> yeah, six and eight. And then so much of it was just like mentally cheating, like not thinking about it which i'm sure so like half of musicians do anyways like you just don't think about the technical part you just feel it right i've gotten all i've gotten through a lot just i mean same thing with school just like memorizing briefly (laughs) what it's supposed to sound like and then like executing and then be like okay i don't really remember cramming like because you're cramming Yeah. yeah cramming be like i just need a nail or like knowing what's important Right. <laughs> to which is very a very like interesting lesson. Like you, everyone needs to learn how to BS sometime. Yeah, it's like what's most important because yeah, I mean truly when you're thrown into real life situations, like you can't always worry about all the details. You have to be no. like, especially in like I'm just gonna say yeah, I'll figure it out. Right. What what needs to happen? <laughs> what can't not happen? <laughs> right. And then what what if happens will be good but not essential it's like i definitely need to hit the one on the top of the chorus or this is going to sound bad but if i don't remember the third chord of and i can like feel it that'll work out better than missing the first right down bass note i'm the bass player (laughs) like and then, okay, what key, what key are we in? What is, what note are they, how are they singing? What are they probably going to go to? That's how I like, that's how I think about music sometimes too, especially from that perspective. And like doing so much improvisation over the years and like just having to go along, you're like not in charge, you're holding it down. You're holding it down and you're like listening and supporting right. as a rhythm section person which another thing that just translates into life like i really do feel like people who embrace people who embrace that mentality like do well in as support to other people because they understand that what it means to like drive but not be the driver, like not be seen as a driver. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think so, yeah. Like you're the engine. The foundation. <laughs> right. If the engine turns off, then the car doesn't move. But someone can drive the car. Very loose comparison, but 
just what I, what I'm really trying to say is that yeah, just just supporting. You're like, always serving a part somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah, it's a service mentality for sure is really imp- I feel like it's really important in life because it keeps you humble and you know helping other people is just great. Like if, if you're able to do that, it creates a better environment ultimately. Because mm-hmm. then someone's more willing to help you in the future too, right? Like as a result of that, but not as you don't, don't you know? I wouldn't say don't like do it for that reason, but sure, it is a it is a benefit of that right. potentially. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you got to learn to follow before you can lead. Yeah, help someone else. I believe that Hold someone else vision before you can figure out your own. Okay, cool. So, what would you say is like inspired bird finds, or like just from selling those guitars back in high school, or like? Yeah, you know, the longer the time goes on, I I see more influences. One of those influences definitely um, it's just my family. Like that same conversation I was talking about with my parents described me as a busy child they also were telling me about my grandma and how so i was like what did she do like what was her career because when i knew her you know she was older and like doing different things in life than i thought that she might have originally done that i had no knowledge of (laughs) but apparently she was um she was i forget what branch in the military maybe the army but she was a surgeon's assistant and like took care of the instruments of her surgery and then after that she sold she got out of the military and she sold um avon products um which is like very you know probably an early, a very early version of entrepreneurship to an extent mlm yeah multi-level marketing yes it's like um, amway mm-hmm. mary Kay. yeah and then like selling things in the flea market like buying things and selling them at a profit, things like that. And then just doing like various things here or there, you know, for money, like helping people or like, she, 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 she took care of elderly people for most of when I was, my childhood, like I would go with her and she would, she would like have like an elderly woman who like she helped just get around and like brought her groceries and like, just like a, you know, a caretaker. Uh, helped him get dressed, stuff like that. And so it was just interesting because I never saw her like go to a job. You know, she had like multiple things. And she always had things that were like, here's a bunch of Beanie Babies that I'm going to sell at the flea market. Like, here's a bunch of hats that I bought that I'm going to sell. Like, And then coupled with, yeah, my neighbor helped you know and then me me being like oh i can do this like i can sell guitars like i sold all of them i sold all of them there was like 10 or 12 guitars or something like that i I sold all of them it's just a high school kid like on craigslist and then more recently like probably like five years ago now there was a shop and there's a shop here in nashville called second gear it was over in berry hill and uh, Tom Bukovac ran it with another guy. I forget the other guy's name, but Tom 
he's a really well-known uh, session guitar player, like A-list kind of guy, and really goofy, really funny, really down to earth. And I started going in there. I forget who recommended it to me. Or maybe I just stumbled upon it. Dude, just like good old, you walk in, like amps, guitars, pedals, everything has a price on it. Everything's on consignment, kind of, everything's like negotiable and reasonable. And like everything, like I said, drums, guitars, amps, or oh, not, not any, there were never, never any drums there, sorry. Guitars, amps, pedals, microphones, pro audio gear, keyboards, like, you know, people would walk in and sell stuff with him or make trades. And like, I was like, I really love this. I found, I found the Music Man amp that I actually still tour with. I found that in there, I've been looking for one for like two months, like online. No one had one. And I walked in one day and it was, it was sitting right there. And he said, I was like, oh man, I've been looking for one of these. He's like, just came in an hour ago. And just the magic of that and his eye for vintage gear and like getting eyes on stuff. I went in there one day and I was talking about bass and she's like, you a bass player, man? I was like, yeah. He's like, man, I just picked up a B-15. It's just in my truck. I forgot about it. And I'm like, what? Like you have a B-15, Ampeg B-15 just in the backseat of your truck that you forgot to bring in. He's like, oh yeah, let me go get it. Bring it in and I play it and like, dude, I would pay you money that I don't have for this right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like that feeling of just being a, such a close step away from gear that's going to inspire you. And that's always been in the back of my mind because I have, I have gear that inspires me, which is which, which, which is one of the reasons I'm propelled to make music and play music is because I think your instrument should be inspiring and inviting and accessible and so one thing going back to craigslist before i moved to nashville when i decided i was going to go to belmont uh, i looked at the craigslist and i was like there's so there's not only so many more things on this craigslist board than there are in charlotte the types of things on here are so cool and varied and different and there's truly something here for everyone just on this Craigslist and this all priced very reasonably. This is again, like this would have been 10 years ago. So things have changed a little bit, but I was like, man, like I can't wait to like buy some stuff in Nashville. Like I can't wait to like start collecting some gear that I'm not gonna find here. And I might never, might never really see in where I live. So that was a huge just inspiration, like just access to a market here that was using things like this, like, you know, like a Vibrochamp or like, let's see, like just like a Slingerland kit or like good Zildjian symbols or like a Furman Q system, like just different various things that are like, I'm like, I've never would have seen that in the Sam Ash at my hometown. You know, people would just keep that or sell it privately. And all the studios here, like studio lot, headphones and microphones and like cables and like stuff like that. Cause you know, a lot of us engineers and musicians, like I saw a meme yesterday on band meme 666. It was so funny. It said my parents at age, at my parents at my age 
and buying like a three hundred thousand dollar house. Uh, yeah. And then me at my age, it's a seventeen dollar guitar cable, and it says, "I'll never financially recover from this." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking back to a time. It's still kind of true to some extent. Where like you know, I couldn't afford. Like, I couldn't afford to, like, buy more than one mic cable at a time. Like, and then I have to, like, wait, like, a month until I could buy, I afford to, like, buy another one. And, like, not have enough XLRs to, like, run a session. <laughs> like, and I, I just considered all those things. And then I was touring a lot with my band. And... Bully. Uh, this was or, with the Lonely Biscuits. Yeah. yeah. Touring for years. And I would always be looking at gear online, looking at reverb, researching, because I'm an engineer too, I'm researching the gear. Like, how does this work? How many bus outputs are there? Are they direct outs? Like, how can you use this? Like, how can you, how can I use this? Basically, please, original manual, tell me why I need to buy this, because I'm very close to buying it, but let me just justify it one more time somewhere, <laughs> you know, from a technical standpoint, other than it just looks cool. And I found so much cool stuff like that. Like, um, I'm really big into the Ramza consoles. They're made by Panasonic. They're, they're, they're still a company, but I didn't really know that actually until they, they do a lot of the sound for the Olympics. Wow. Yeah, they're like the the company that, the, that they reach out to to, wow. to provide the proper- PA system and whatnot. Yeah, which is crazy because, because Ramses were made in the 80s, like originally. The company started in the 80s. Anyway, anyway, I found a Ramses console on Craigslist, like, I guess it would have been like five years ago now. I was like, hmm, what is this? And I did research, I looked at the manual, I read some forums, you know, as we all do, figure out what's going on. And everybody's like, yep, this is a solid tracking board for a band, it has direct outs on all the channels. I'm like, cool. It was only like a couple hundred bucks with a road case. And I went and got it. And there's been, again, a lot of gear like that. And so at a certain point, I started seeing deals everywhere. And I was like, man, like, there's so many, I, there's so many people I personally know. I was like sending people Craigslist ads. I'm like, you should buy this. Like, you should get this. Like, buy this on Reverb. This is what you've been looking for. And that was, help, that was happening to a healthy amount. And then one day, I was hanging out with my, this is really kind of where it started in one way. It's a lot of factors to it, of course, from, from a lot of different top periods in time. Um, but one day I was in, I was hanging out with my friend Kurt and he was just talking about how he was, he was looking for a Telecaster. And I literally been in Fanny's house of music the day before and played this like amazing Telecaster. It was a custom build by a guy in Hendersonville. It was the lightest weight telecaster probably the lightest weight like full-size guitar ever picked up like it was just like air and it sounded great played great cool color i was like dang like i kind of want to buy this like it's only like 600 bucks 700 bucks something like that i mentioned to kurt he goes and buys it like he he goes and plays it we go together actually and goes and buys it and i think yeah so then he he still has a guitar. Like they just put out a record. His band, the Radcos, put out a record. I'm oh sure, yeah, I'm sure he used yeah. it on there. But he he was talking to me about his dad. His dad's a car salesman, and just mentioned like, man, 
I should like pay you a fee for finding this for me. And that was one of the basis basis of the idea was just being a gear finding service. Because for me, I knew that when I needed the gear, I didn't have time. Like your job as a musician isn't to be on the internet all day looking for what you need. That's not what being a musician actually means. Being a musician means playing music mm-hmm. and, and, and writing and, and things like that. It extends into things like having technical knowledge, like being an engineer, researching, going, and like, of course, finding. I'm not discounting like going and finding the instrument that you, primary instrument you like to play or other instruments. But it's all auxiliary to the actual definition of being a musician. And I was just seeing a lot of my friends playing gear that wasn't, that didn't sound very good. Or like, they're just like, I don't know. I don't know what I need. Or like, I don't, you know, I can't afford it. And I'm like, well, I can find you a deal because I'm really good at that. That just runs in my family. We just, we, my, my parents have owned so many used cars that they paid like nothing for because they're just willing to like search and look and like same thing with like the idea of like thrifting mm-hmm. and like you know going to a flea market like if you know how to look you can really find something good and that works for you and so i kind of ha- already had that spirit i'm always just very inquisitive like what's what's over here what's back there like let's just misspell this word and see what comes up on the on the ebay search <laughs> and so i was like i was like you know that's not I'm I'm bummed because people are wasting valuable time that they could be writing, recording, playing music. They just need a guitar. They just need a good interface. They just need the headphones. They just need a MIDI controller. They just need a good snare. Like they just need a tape machine. They just need something. They need them. They and then it started to be like they just need to see what's out there. Like see what's available. Like because again, their job as a musician isn't to like do all the research it is to play the music like right. and so there has you know just like if with any other industry like there should be like a service aspect to that it's like if you're a chef you don't go study a whole bunch of refrigerators you just find a <laughs> refrigerator manufacturer and be like i just need a refrigerator for this and they're like okay this yeah, and if you need like a, a more specific one, then you go to someone who can help you find that. If you're like, oh, I'm doing sushi, or like I'm, I need to keep this at a certain temperature, or even like a warmer stuff like that. But yeah, it's like <clears throat> I truly believe, and I can say this for myself for sure. Is like when I need it, I need it. I'm like I don't want to have. I just need like I just need something that works, that's inspiring, and like. But also, if I'm looking for something specific, like I don't want to settle for something that's not. Right. And yeah, I was just seeing a lot of people not like playing not great gear, or just being bombed, or like not knowing how to like get to the next level. And I'm like, you could, I can, I can help you sell the stuff that you don't like and turn into stuff that you do like. Like sell three of these garbage guitars that you don't care about, haven't touched. They're all dusty in the corner. Turn those into one guitar that you're gonna love for years. Like, oh, how do I do that? Like, oh, well, let me help you. Yeah. You know? And 
yeah, I'll just, you know, take a small fee for my time because I'm doing the legwork. You're, you're utilizing my knowledge of how this works. And typically, and it still is true, where people are like, I don't want this stuff. And like, they just come to me because they're like, you know, people. And like, yeah, I do know people. And like, I probably know someone who wants to buy that. And that's like a big aspect of bird finds is just like being a platform where it's like, like all the stuff I said before, where it's like, hey, here's what's out here. Here's the popular things, specifically like in the vintage market. Um, and especially now I'm buying and reselling. So like I'll take stuff in, you know, get refurbished or repaired or, you know, just just resell it. Um, but I'm offering it like, hey, like this is what this is. This is what it's great for. I probably own at least one of these. Like a lot of stuff, I, most stuff I sell, like I have owned or own or want to own. <laughs> so it's even, it's very curated. So again, I want people to like, I want to use my experience to help people get inspiring things in their hands because I don't know. It's just what music's about. Your acts is your, you know, that's the thing that you're going to make the music with. That's your, that's your relationship with your inanimate object that you bring to life and you want it to make you want to grab it. Yes. Like every day. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite instrument? Like what model or whatever it is? Oh, favorite actual that like brings to inspiration. I have several. <laughs> for I guess for bass, what would you say? Um, right now, right now I've got a Fender Precision, and I'm typically not a Precision guy. I've kind of like run the opposite way. I'm more. I've been more of like a short scale music master um i have a bullet bass i've played i played a jaguar bass for a long time so i haven't really done the p thing and then i, I got one like a swap meet but i i bought it to with the intention to sell it because i thought it was just like a good i was like this is a good instrument it's a good price you know i can make a little money and it's still a fair price um and get this in someone's hands who doesn't know it's here <laughs> and i would just you know sell it but then i restrung it put a new bridge on it and i was like this thing sounds amazing like and no like stock pickups everything's stock except for the bridge that's the base that i tour with sick now and and you've been how long have you been with bully uh i joined in february of like 2019 so yeah like two and a half years Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the bass I play with that band. And it's just like, it's funny because when I started playing that bass, so much more made sense, like tone wise. Like, I've been trying to figure out how some of these records that I listen to, like, in the same genre as Bully, like, like how are they getting that tone? Like, how are they, how does it sound like that? What kind of tone is it? Like, is it like heavy, kind of? I mean, Bully's kind of fast, like, it's um it's like clangy a little bit clangy like you know play with a pick okay like borderline clangy and what i mean by that is like the tone knobs all the way open to like the treble side okay and there's a lot of attack 
yeah, let's say it's kind of piercing or like it breaks, it cuts through the mix. It cuts, exactly. Uh, and yeah, it's got a lot of attack. And I, I, I rolled on the register. I roll the mids off, um, turn the bass up, you know, treble is kind of normal on the amp. But it's just like driving, you know, and then coupled with like the effects and the DI slash preamp that I use and the amp, the sound is just like, it just sounds like it's supposed to sound. It's just, I don't really know how to, and the bass does that by itself, but going through some of the circuitry that I have, it just sounds, it's just crazy. Like when something just clicks, you're like, oh, like I've been trying to figure out how to make it sound like this for literal years. Like, and then you can kind of take that as a starting point versus like fighting to get a good tone. Um, because the tone that I have now works for a lot of genres of music. And a lot of times it's just me not using a pick to translate it to maybe something else that's a little more mellow. A little warmer with the fingers. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but still like this very confident and powerful tone that's not overbearing, but is very present. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and you feel it and it's not like, it's like, oh yeah, I, I feel the bass. Like, <laughs> it's got that drive that kind of hits you on the back of the head kind of like I don't know it's always on your heels yeah and it's it blends with it you know blends in with a drummer and yeah it's just confident like it's just yeah. confident um, and I feel like in my professional career as a bass player that I'm confident enough to where I can meet <laughs> like it's 50-50, right? Like you can have a good, you can have a great, the best sounding rig ever, but if you're not confident enough to play it, then it doesn't. It'll come through. It'll come through. And the, and the opposite is somewhat true, but less, less true, I do think. Really confident player, like subpar rig, you can still make that work. Right. But in either case, it's still, you're still compromising. So like both things, when they're really clicking, it's so like if you have like the world's best snare, but like someone who's timid. Yeah, you're scared to hit it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's probably not gonna sound like it should. Sound yeah, like a scared person hitting it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, dude. Well awesome. What kind of music lately have you been listening to that has inspired you or motivated you? Or... I recently Yeah, I recently got had my, I'm having my, my third eye blonde phase right now. Nice. I never really had it. Right. And it's just really cool because it resonates deeply with me. Like the style and the tones and just the energy. Like it's just, it's just very nice to, and there's other bands I mean, 90s stuff for sure. It's just kind of like, like I was listening to Audio Slave the other day. Oh, yeah. Um, I was watching their live in Cuba DVD, just watching the musicianship. And dude, some of those bass tones, I've been listening to a lot of like, maybe like bass heavy. Yeah. Um, Like stuff that's like kind of like boy, just because playing. Well, playing yeah. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm like attracted to things that are similar. I'm trying to find things that like where I can like pick up more from the genre. Yeah. And understand more. I love Jawbreaker. We went, went on tour with them a couple of years ago. And that's actually, to bring it back to a tone, that's one of the ways I learned like what it's supposed to sound like in that genre. It's going on tour and watching them. Yeah. So night after night. Bass players just got a P bass, a tuner, and then an orange head. With the massive boogie cabinet and an orange cabinet, and that's it. He didn't have any pedals besides that tuner, and he's just playing. And I'm like, "Oh, he's got the tone knob up, and like that's he's got like it's just like sl- like slinky like." <laughs> like Dude, this sounds so good. Like, oh, I'm trying to think of other music because it hasn't just been third eye blind. Because when I listen to your. Uh nothing's perfect album i definitely felt the third eye blind or i could feel like i really like this this is not the third eye blind feeling song that i was thinking about but i really like the silent birds track the nice. motivational speaker in there like mm-hmm. spoken word yeah i really liked that thank you i'm i'm happy i'm really i'm happy that you listened to the record and that's something I was almost refraining from saying, but I'll just say it now because you brought it up. But I've been listening to that record a lot um, because I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And because it makes me feel really good. Um, I think just the way that I made it, it's just like... It seemed like a, a, a good declaration, kind of. Yeah, I, I mean, I just came from an authentic place, you know, like, so listening back, there's, you know, whenever, sometimes, like, I just, you know, like we all do, like, just have our days or, like, you know, need to come back to ourselves in some way or just kind of, like, feel, like, lost and confused or, like, off track. And that's been a way for me to, like, kind of line things back up, which is interesting. It's interesting because um, I, I like my music. I put out a lot of music at this point. I like it all. And I, it's, I do the same thing about, with my older releases. Like, I'll, this one's the most recent, obviously, but it, I don't know. I've, listened, I've been listening to it a lot. Like, it just, I'm, I'm really happy with how everything turned out. And my friend Sam helped me, with, helped me on a couple tracks. And so there's, out, there's a little bit of other influence there. And... Yeah work that I can really appreciate that's not just my own. Sam from Lonely Biscuits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Sam, Sam Gidley. Gidley. Yep. Yeah. And there's there's a number of records that I need to listen to. Um but I'm a I'm funny with that. Like I'm a very mood based listener. So there's a number of things that even like to extend like movies and stuff like TV shows, stuff like that. Like, I have to be in the mood. Like, I have to, like, arrive at the thought myself where I'm like, okay, now I'm ready today to listen. Like, I'm going to listen to that record today. Like, that's just how it happens. Because otherwise, it kind of, like, it doesn't just, it just doesn't hit me. It doesn't, like, stay with me in the way that... I like to just be really intentional about it and not just, just throw it on. I want to, like... Especially with friends' records and friends' things that they made, I want to like set aside time to be intentional about listening to it 
and experiencing it in like a really authentic way so that I could talk to them about it when I see them and not just be like, oh, I'll listen to it. It's like, that's, I don't know, they probably worked really hard on it and to just be like, oh, it's cool. Right. It's like, okay, cool, <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is it, I, I think about all those things like in the process because that's, I mean, that's something that I would love, you know? And again, like I was saying earlier, not for that reason. I don't, I'm not treating people the way, that way necessarily because I think that they also might treat me that, that way back. But it's just, just a, from a pure production standpoint, like making a record, committing, committing to any part of that process is very challenging. Like committing to writing it, committing to recording it, committing to liking it, <laughs> committing to releasing it. It's like pretty torturous. You just go back and forth and back and forth. No matter. Especially the liking part. Yeah. Because once you've written it and then you're like three to months to a year later, you're like, man, I don't really want to play this part this way or whatever, you know. It's, the, it's you, kind of the way. You worst. just change it live or whatever, I guess. But still, you're like, no, it's not. And that, that's something that I'm really proud of, particularly proud about, about, that, about the record that I made is... I wouldn't go back and change anything. Like I, I just followed through, and I did what I what felt good, and I committed, and said, "This is good. This is good. I'm making a decision about this. I'm not going to backtrack on whether I like this or not, or whether really more importantly for me that I want." That I want other people to hear this. Right. Like, and the whole one of the big reasons I even made the thing is because I wrote those songs using stream of consciousness, which was just amounts to me like I've done it for over ten years. Yeah. Like I just I literally take out my phone, start speaking. <laughs> yep. Take out my phone, voice memo, record, and then play sing whatever and that's it like i don't go back and edit i don't i don't go back and redo lyrics i very 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 seldom change instrument like the acoustic guitar chords or like the chords or like the key like anything like that like the rhythm the tempo i'm just as authentic to the feeling was in the moment as i can be and so then what happens in the recording process and I've watched this from the from the opposite standpoint where people try to chase a feeling in a recording it's like very unfulfilling because they're starting with something that they're starting with something expecting the end to whatever they end up with to be the fulfilling part like in the sense of they're again they're chasing a feeling and trying to like inflict the feeling instead of starting with the feeling yeah, and then let that be the inspiration for the action. And maintain the feeling throughout the production process, which is very difficult. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm just saying the way that I do it, I do it the opposite, where I just commit. The com- the committal action is in the moment of, like, you know, being honest about how I'm feeling in the moment. And then from there, it's just follow through. Because cause then, like, with this record, I just referenced... I went back and listened to songs that I wrote on my phone in my voice memos in January and February. 
when I was listening back, I was like, okay, I like that. And I transcribed them and then I relearned them and then I recorded them. That's what that entire record is. From old, old things you've written down. Yeah. Was, yeah. I like, I like the stream of consciousness thing. I like to do it in writing. I don't necessarily do it speaking, but just writing down words as many, as, and as fast as I can that are, doesn't matter if they're related, just, you know, obviously, you know. Mm -hmm. But the writing process is and then looking at it, you know what I mean? Right. Sorry, what I, what I failed to mention in that, which was really the big point I was trying to make, was that I paid attention to how I felt listening back to the voice mellows of the songs that I've written. And from there, I assessed whether or not it was helpful to share that with other people. And in every case, every song that and that is on that record, there is a, an original thought, an original feeling of mine where I was like, I'm not the only person who feels this. I could have been if when I was going through whatever I'm talking about, I could have benefited from or I had benefited from someone else saying it in a very like straightforward way that wasn't inflated or conflated or like hiding the how you're feeling. And every time I've listened back, I've been so and I've heard I've heard other feedback from other people that have no idea about the process at all. They don't need to, but they're like they can feel the authenticity and they can, which again was my, my point, they can, they can, it can resonate with them in their own way. I don't need people to, I'm not like trying to point out my particular problems or my issues or my successes or anything like that and be like, this is what you should be thinking about or, or fixating on. It's like, I, all my, my point of, my point of releasing any sort of music at, always been to hold up a mirror for the listener to see themselves in someone else's through someone else's life experiences but then just translate it back to their life so that they can go through it or yeah find whatever it is in their life that is that thing that i got through because it's never going to be the same like we go through some of the same things in life as human beings, you know, citizens of America and everything, and especially as musicians or like entrepreneurs and people who, you know, who take on relationships and um, experience loss and like doing soul searching and all that stuff. It's just like looking, looking back, all the people that I look up to in my personal life, and I think a lot of people end up respecting your people who just tell the truth about how how it went down and how they felt and then what they did to overcome it. I don't think I don't think it's beneficial at all to try to like obscure that process because then it paints a picture of like perfection that really isn't at all like obtainable and is not real. It's like when people don't They'll make you quit before you begin. They just paint the world. They try to paint everything like it's always. They always just always just mention the best things, mm -hmm. like never anything that they had to overcome or like that they're even currently dealing with. And it's just 
it's just unbalanced. I think you should, I think it's important that we talk about those things openly because again, when I look back, again, for me in my personal life, when I look back at music that really touched me is when people were telling the raw truth, like being real, like talking about real stuff. And it's not for everyone either. No, no. It's not, but I, I, I still do think that a dose of that is it important. Hits, I mean, it hits you at home when it's true. I mean, nowadays I feel like everyone's trying to be so happy. And I think while that can be good, it's really toxic because it promotes repression and instead of expression, because you're supposed to put on, you know, you're supposed to be happy. So you don't really express how you really feel. I think there's a difference between happiness and feeling fulfilled. Yeah, no, yeah, there definitely is. Joy is what I would call fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, having like, true joy. Right? Being, having, enjoying, like... Enjoying, yeah. Even if you're in pain, you can still be enjoying because you're learning or you're aware of what's going on, then you can enjoy it. Yeah. I agree, man. I think it's, I think it's a big thing to try to talk about and, you know, understand the differences between, because happiness can be so temporary. I'm kind of boring too. Yeah. Cause I mean, what makes you happy might just disappear. Well, it's like, so <laughs> does it mean you close the book down cause you're happy? Is there nothing else to, you know, I don't know. Right, it's not an act. It's not an act. It's not like yeah, you don't ever arrive, and if you ever feel like happiness has to be some sort of arrival, it'll never come because you'll never have arrived until you die. Yeah, and then what? <laughs> then it's kind of out of your hands. Right. <laughs> That's very true. But you are responsible for your life while you're alive. Yeah, I I firmly believe that. Hundred percent. Anyways, man, we we've gone on to we've gotten deep in all my little sections and questions I've been trying to ask you. Okay, so now we're getting towards the end here. What have you? What's something you would say you've learned living in Nashville? Living here, I think, as an adult, especially, and something that's come up even recently is the importance of community, the how important people are and not to discount them it it's just really important like knowing that you can call somebody whether whether it's good news or bad news or no news knowing that someone can list will listen to you knowing that you can listen to someone and be there for someone and then you know knowing yeah the resources within your community because like community has helped my business and in turn my business has helped the community right and you know if if i was just a businessman then i would utilize that to make more money but because i'm part of the community and i care about the community i try to do as many things as i can to enrich the community which will Again, I don't need it to enrich my business, but it does. Right. And it also enriches other people's businesses because I'm able to recommend other people all the time. Um, there's so many situations where um, 
you know, someone will, someone will reach out to me and, hey, can you do this? We need an audio engineer. We need someone to play bass. We need production crew. We need someone to mix this show, like whatever it is. And a lot of times I'm unavailable. So it's like, who can I recommend that I trust is a good hang and can, can do it? You know, can rise to the occasion. Who would I? Who am I basically willing to put there instead of myself? Who will do close to a good job, if not a better job? And that, when you have a good community, there are people who, if you don't know that person, you can reach out to someone who might know that person. And that's different than networking. It's different than having an. It's, it's still a network, but it's different than networking. Because networking tends to like bypass the personal aspect of things. You're trying to see where this person might fit in your life. Yeah, and yes, exactly. It's a really great way of putting it. Instead of the other way around, right. like having like a mentality seeing of seeing if I'm fit for you. Right, and being willing to like even like give your time freely or give your ideas or you know. Things like that. Put something together, like put your heads together for something that doesn't necessarily directly benefit you. So that's that's a huge, huge thing. And that's been true since I moved here. Going to college here helped me create a community. But then also, again, being an adult, there's been situations where like I needed to I needed something or like, you know, I didn't have a place to stay. Like that's there was one point where I was like, I straight up didn't have, like there was like a week in between leases at houses and I was on tour. And like, so I came, I'd already moved out of my house, but I came back and I was like, I had to be here for like a week. It was funny cause it was a week I was graduating from college. And like, I straight up didn't, I had to sleep on my, on my boss's couch. But like we're friends and I had community with him and his other coworkers and other people who, other people who lived there. So it was cool and like it worked out. But there's been situations like that, that I was like, man, like, if I had no one to call, this might look a lot different, you know? I might have spent like $1,000 in a hotel all week, or like, just slept in my car, like, and it's really, for me, I know that I, that never has to be the reality for me. And furthermore, because, because I understand that for myself, I, I know how to treat other people. I know like how to help, you know, how better to help them just from taking it from my perspective and thinking about how I, how I felt when I was like, man, I don't know where I'm gonna sleep tonight. Like, who can I call? <laughs> Who's gonna like, let me stay there for like four days and like set up shop with all my stuff. <laughs> you know, like, and that's that's probably one of the more extreme examples for sure, but it it probably is one of the best because your network is your net worth. Yeah, and being able to trust the people in your community, like with your life, sometimes, and with other people's lives, it's just huge. I I don't I don't know like to be honest with you. Other than that, like I don't know. So much so much extends from that. Sure. You can really do anything with a strong community because yeah. someone knows someone. Right. And it's you like just a seven degree thing. You're always seven degrees away from someone. Yeah, you just you just you just 
feed into that and you have to be willing to to give also and contribute and that's why it works is because everyone has the intention at the very least even if they're not currently able to contribute they want to they know that it's important they understand that that is the infrastructure and a lot of great things happen with community there's a there's a lot of great communities here in nashville and it's really great that they're you know a lot of them are centered centered around um, music art yeah and art and that's really understood by the people who are in that community they understand the people that they're they're around and that's really special so there's something really special about this place maybe other places that are you know um music focused and full of musicians and artists so there's a culture that can help support them right <laughs> maybe not always directly supporting them but help you know Definitely. Yeah, I mean, every individual that comes here to pursue art is a piece of what makes the industry here accessible for everyone else. Because, like, since you're here and you do this thing, you bring that to the community. Now the community is more broad because of you. Yep. Yeah, man. Uh, All right. What is some advice you would give to someone who's going to move to Nashville and do art, whether that's music or, you know... I would say be willing to talk to people, go support other people, go support other people before being expected to be supported. That's very good. And, you know, don't be afraid to go out on a limb sometimes because a lot of the people I met in my life was because I was like, I'm going to that show tonight. Like, I'm not sitting at home or like, someone inviting me to something and me just following through and actually going or texting that person who I'm afraid to send a text to to initiate contact or just hitting someone up cold for coffee (laughs) Um, and yeah just strive to be part of or build community because if you do that, then so much more stuff falls into place. If you show people that, and like, I think, I think equally important is care about what you're about. Like, care about what it is that you do and like really focus on your strengths and weaknesses because people are gonna ask like, what are you good at? What are you not great at? And it's like a pretty funny, like typical interview question, but it's really important because if you understand that man it just makes things a little bit easier you're like i really i'm like me i'm really bad or i should say i don't like to host like i'm like at your house yeah like notoriously bad like i don't there's some there's some whether it's like a friend coming over or like an event or something it has to be like the right person coming over. I can't, I'm not good at like hosting. I don't like hosting like, even before COVID, I don't like hosting like a bunch of people. Like it makes me nervous. Like, I'm like, even if I love them all to death, I'm just like, can we just not do this in my house? Like I don't be responsible for like entertaining. Like I can't. You gotta be responsible. You have this feeling of like from empathy of like 
responsible for their well-being. Yeah. And they're checking in. Are they having a good time? Like. Yeah. And maybe with practice, but I mean, I, I know that about myself. Yeah. And so my friends know that about me because I also explain to them. I'm like, hey, like, I'm not inviting, not I'm not not inviting you over because I don't like you. And I know I talk about my about my house and how cool it is and how fun I have, how much fun I have there. Don't take it personally if I don't invite you over. I'm just not great at that. Mm-hmm. And I'm but I'm working on it, but I'm not great at it. Sure. So I'm probably gonna come over more than I invite you over. Right. And I'm gonna be a good hang while I'm there, but you might see a discrepancy between the number of times I come over to your house and the number of times that I invite you over to mine. Right. It's all personal. <laughs> it's your prerogative. Okay, cool. What is something absurd you like or do? Absurd. <laughs> Doing so many things. <laughs> like, I do so much. I have, like, so many ideas. Like, I built an app for my business. Nice. Like, it's They're building it right now. Like, there's so many things that people are attempting to sell through me that I, just even like being in the position that I am, I think a lot of people are like, if they saw how many things I have on my plate, maybe as a bigger, maybe a better answer, they'd be like, you're crazy. (laughs) Because I think I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy because no reasonable person I'm crazy compared to the the average person because no reasonable person would be doing the amount of things that I'm doing at the scale that I'm doing them because I just keep like doubling down. I'm like, no, like we're doing this. Like this is happening. <laughs> we're gonna keep pushing it forward. And I'm also gonna be pushing this fader over here and this fader and then these three over here. Oh yeah. And I still got the main one going. I got the auxiliary to that one. <laughs> and then this is coming around. So I'm gonna take this opportunity. So it's like, I mean, I've got bird finds. I have a consignment, side consignment thing, bird sales. I do piano delivery. I do major consignment, like all across the United States. I'm building relationships in Los Angeles right now with some serious studio gear. Like I've got multiple uh, SSL and Neve consoles on consignment right now. Oh yeah. People are selling through me, like it just found me on the internet. <laughs> and I've talked to like on the phone and like spoken with, gone to their studios. <laughs> My girlfriend lives in San Diego currently and I've got, <laughs> I've got two large format consoles at her house <laughs> that I need to get to Nashville from California. I'm, a, I'm trying to buy a van so I can do business and do this piano deliveries and like move gear around. I routinely drive to other states to buy gear to sell. I try to have gear up every almost every day. I'm I'm kinda that was earlier in the year I was trying to have gear new gear up for so every day. I'm always buying gear. I'm at the shop three times a week checking in, restocking my shelves when I'm in town. Um, I'm organizing a sidewalk sale this weekend for people to come in and get their stuff on tables to like a yard sale. I have multiple pieces that I'll be selling there that I've just taken chances on. Like just like tons of items that I'm that I look at. I'm like, I can't believe I have one of those. And I'm gonna like 
get that fixed and sell it and then like making still recording like i got back and I, from tour and i like, immediately just started recording again we're recording from the better half in the next two months and like you know gonna like i said trying to buy a van trying to buy a trailer like just going for it you know oh, yeah. and then what's about still have my still an engineer at our vinyl i do playlist management there i tour with bully i still have my band lonely biscuits we still have bunches of songs like from years ago that just you know pull back up and probably be cool with <laughs> to yeah. release um hope to be be writing and recording with them again at a certain point i just i've been assisting my parents they just started a, a business and I helped them. I, I consult. They consulted with me getting that started. Finding a graphic designer and a website builder who is actually Sam's wife, Tiana, one of my really good friends as well. Awesome. And just all, I'm just juggling all these things and more. Like there's there's more stuff that I'm forgetting about. Like there's a studio on Music Row that has tons of gear that like I was the first call to come process. Sit, come sit through it all. Yeah, and I need to actually need to follow up with her like probably after I leave here and like get that situated. I've got microphones so that when I get home I need to ship out to Switzerland. Awesome. <laughs> you know, like a lot and then just tons of individual conversations with people where it's like they're reaching out and I'm they're waiting for me to turn around like I won't say his name but a gentleman from a really well respected microphone company reached out to me and want he's wanting me to outfit his whole studio nice it's like <laughs> you know and so me trying to find time for Dude, that <laughs> what do you need what do you want yeah it's a constant my life is a constant Battle is not the right word, but it's just a constant exercise in balance. And time maintenance. Yes, time maintenance, balance. But the thing is, like, it doesn't matter. I, I would need to stay awake for probably t at least two weeks. Like, I, I would, like, have to not sleep for two weeks at least to, like, accomplish all the things that I want to do, but in that time period, that's the thing is when I'm accomplishing things, bigger goals, like I have more goals building on top of those. I'm like, oh, I sold one of these, I wanna get another one, I wanna sell four more of these. I wanna, yeah. where can I find more of these and connect to more people? How can I, oh, I moved the piano, how can I move six more, like? Go bigger, big. And I, I like to be consistent, but man, it's it's a, it's really fun. I really enjoy it. And awesome. that's, and that's why, that's why I keep doing it because otherwise, like, someone would be like, dude, you're putting in how many hours a week? I don't even keep track because it, it's just not even worth me. Right. I mean, there's no point. There's no and plus, point. it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is the value you bring. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You know? And I feel, feel fulfilled in the things that I'm doing. So that's good enough for me. And obviously I'm able to pay my bills and stuff. Yeah. And I have, you know, an employee and I'm not dropping the ball anywhere. 
Yeah, that's good. It used to be kind of like I'm dropping the ball on a couple things. <laughs> People are relying on me, and I'm like, woe is me, I'm too busy. It's like, well, no, you said you were going to do this. Right, so holding people to their word, you know. That is a big character reveal to a lot of people is when you hold them to what they said they're going to do. And then either they're like, you're right, I didn't do it, I messed up, or they're like offended that you like brought up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so that whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, okay, great, dude. Well, thanks for coming here and taking the time out of your busy life to do this. Absolutely. It's good because, yeah, I don't know. If I, I came to some realizations today for myself. Hey, yeah. Because awesome. sometimes it's challenging, you know, as I'm sure you know, going through the day as an entrepreneur and someone who's trying to make different, multiple things happen and not really being able to explain to any one particular person necessarily all the intricacies so that you can just get it out. Sure. And like not be churning it and thinking about it that's all day. A, I mean, dude, that's, <laughs> for me, I have to pen to paper or type it out, to get it out or play my drums. Gotta get it out. I have so much energy, probably like you do, where I like, cannot sit still and don't get bored. And so I have to like, my whole game is constantly at time maintenance and how do I utilize what my time better? Am I wasting time? Is there a book I should be reading? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How am I, how do I get to the next level? Because it's like I can I could sit here and stare at this can and daydream and be so entertained. Yeah. But I can't do that for all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thanks for coming. For sure.